All right. So, yeah, this is the first episode of Stargate Weekly. Uh, Thad and I are both huge fans of Stargate. All of the shows, the movies, uh, all of it together is amazing. We um, have enjoyed it for years and years and years. Uh, the entire oeuvre. Yes, the whole oeuvre. <laughs> um, and I was doing a rewatch of Stargate Universe recently and had lots of thoughts about it and realized that I the best and only person to talk about them with was was you. So here we are with our very own podcast. Dun 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 Yes indeed. Do you want to read, because I haven't pulled it up yet on any device, the <laughs> synopsis of the show? Oh, I don't have it pulled up either, but I can. But it was your job, as we discussed, not at all, ever. So while he's doing that, uh, this episode is going to be about both parts one and two of season one, episode one, two, Children of the Gods, that you're kick off the podcast with a very special double episode. All right. When powerful aliens come through Earth's Stargate, Colonel Jack O'Neill returns to Abydos to retrieve Daniel Jackson, who has discovered that the alien transit system includes more than two planets. Okay. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a fair it's, synopsis. I feel like it leaves okay. a little bit of a Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> I said fair. Do you, should I read the synopsis of episode two as well? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Colonel O'Neill, leading the new SG-1, track Apophis back to the planet Chulak and rescue Sharae and Skara. Oh, sorry, that's two rescue. I'm like, wait a second. And befriend one of Apophis's Jaffa guards. I feel like that, that like, totally spoils the climax of episode two if you've never seen it. No, that absolutely does. Because you're not supposed... I mean, granted... I imagine today, if someone were to go and watch all of Stargate, they probably, like, may have seen, like, clips or something about Stargate in the past, so they already know Teal'c is going to join them. But if someone is going in completely, completely new to Stargate, that just ruined it. Yeah. Speaking of going in completely new to Stargate, I have to say that one feeling that I got from the, you know, this this one-two-parter was that the movie wasn't necessary. I feel like this could have been, even if the movie hadn't existed, dropping someone into this world that already has existed for a year-ish, based on what they had said in the episode, that it doesn't really matter. Yeah. If you had seen their previous adventures of the Stargate, you just know that, hey, they went through the Stargate once before, and oops, left a man behind. Yeah, no, they do a pretty good job of, like, covering everything they're really i mean obviously if you have seen the movie there's plenty of references that you can tell they're continuing off for the movie but yeah i don't think it i agree with you i don't think it really was important to the to know what's happening in this episode absolutely so to you because you just did a rewatch more recently but what to you has stood out in your head from the you know the, the show premiere um that they definitely haven't gotten everything down yet. Because <laughs> it, it's definitely, it has a much, it doesn't quite feel the same as Stargate later. And that's just because, well, it's the first episode. But there's there's a bunch of little mistakes that I know they wouldn't have made later. Just because, I, for instance, I know in 
the later seasons, they actually had advisors from the Air Force on hand to tell them, you know, this is how the Air Force does these things. And one of those things would be uh, Hammond not wearing his cover indoors. Oh, absolutely. I think also something else that I, uh, two things that I picked up on regarding Air Force, military, we'll say, aspects of it, were one, uh, I was kind of wondering, would Hammond as a two-star really be running this mostly shutting down facility, regardless of its previous importance and the fact that in the movie there had been I don't know, half a dozen generals or something in the room. Uh, I looked it up and the, the commander of Whitman, Whiteman Air Force Base is, uh, is a, also a two-star general. And Whiteman Air Force Base is where we base our B-2 stealth bombers. So relatively equivalent, if maybe lesser, strategic importance. So that's actually pretty accurate. Yeah, that works. Uh, on the flip side, though, Major Samuels, two ranks below, even retired full bird Colonel O'Neill, probably shouldn't be such a snippy little snot. Well, that's because you're supposed to hate him. Yeah. Also, I I really feel like there was way more usage of dress blues than there actually would have been. (laughs) I was thinking that at one point as well. I also agree about that it's not quite fully formed yet, which is understandable. I, I think I put down that it was super campy, but not quite in its eventual charming way. Yeah. Like, I know they got rid of the ice on the skin after going through the gate really quickly. Yes, I'm wondering if they're going to, and this is going to be a problem for us, I think, going forward, is future knowledge, as it were, bleeding into our commentary about the current episode. Let's see what we can do about that. But yeah. Another thing that stood out to me for the longest time was from part two when uh, Teal drops his armor and it's just like thud, clang, especially in light of future knowledge. (laughs) So about that armor, Mm -hmm. I'm not really understanding the physics of how this armor works because apparently like it's enough to stop six bullets, but like 10 bullets will kill the guy in it. Oh, it's like any given first-person shooter, you know. Just If you don't hide behind cover and just sort of let all the red disappear from around your face, uh, you're toast. My thing about the armor is those helmets. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're definitely measuring up poorly to the movie helmets that had the movie's budget of being able to be all cool and fully away. Honestly, a it's been a, a few years since I've seen the movie, so I don't remember how they compared. It's a little bit different. Apophis is the serpent god, as Daniel Jackson points out in, in part two, and Ra was the not serpent god. Most of his Jaffa, we'll call them, even though they never point that out in the movie, had um, falcon or eagle yeah. helmets. Horses, also, like, weren't uh, Some were horses, um, which is the, you know, like the jackal-headed yeah. god, right? Yeah. No, but some of them were also eagles. Um, and, like, their little heads moved, too. Ah. Yeah, and they had, like, they had, like, little articulated uh, eerie, feathery metal thing. I don't know. But they were, you know, obviously much more involved than the show was, which was, you know, like a, like a two-part mechanism. Also, I'm pretty sure this is the only time in Stargate where we see people killed by staff blasts covered in blood. Well, it originally aired on Stars? Showtime. 
I don't even think stars existed back then. Okay. Which leads me to my point about that, which is the super obvious commercial cuts, at least on the Hulu version. Because I was watching that, and you watched the DVD version? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if this is also present on the DVD version, but on the Hulu version, yeah, super obvious uh, commercial cuts, such as when you've been recalled from retirement, you're back on active duty, and then, you know, commercial cut, and there's O'Neill turning around saluting in his dress blues. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, the one that really stood out to me was um, when O'Neill's uh, in the – yeah, no, actually, I think it's the exact same one you're talking about. Yeah. And, that yeah, there was definitely a bunch of that, which surprises me because there wouldn't have been commercials on Showtime. Yeah. At least I don't think there would have been. I don't know. I'm not a Showtime-ologist or Showtime – historian i know showtime doesn't do commercials now and it's not uncommon for any given you know even shows on showtime or hbo to have distinct moments where this arc is ending and this arc is picking up but they don't always yeah need or have these like you know weird like smooth transitions between i would have expected a fade to black or something though there wasn't even that it was it was literally we have this scene then we have this next scene there was no transition to it at all right and it was just really in your face like welcome back from commercial back to sg1 <laughs> um well, and to answer our conversation from however long ago walter starts as a master sergeant although i don't think we know his name yet you know his name was not i don't think his name is mentioned until quite a bit later oh okay I could be wrong on that, though. We'll find out. Uh, I will say, though, that you know, when when Jack is first meeting General uh, Hammond, that his little, well, if anyone read my book, I'd have to shoot them. Hammond had exactly the right response to that. Yeah. That said, I did appreciate that even in the first episode, we have, there's a whole lot of Jack being Jack. Yes. And something that I picked up on, and I think we're going to throw tracking it chronologically out the window um if we haven't already <laughs> from the opening of part two the little bit of interplay between jack and jack's son you know are you sure you killed him oh yeah no he's definitely dead he's totally dead he's dead right yeah that was a little good. interplay between the two of them that was nice i like that yeah, yeah, it's great because yeah, their whole that that interplay is part of what makes the show so good, and it's nice to see that it's there even at the beginning. I'm curious since I watched the DVD version, so it was just all one thing. Where mm-hmm. does episode one end? Uh, episode one on Hulu ends when they come back from Abydos. It basically ends with Hammond saying you're in no position to make demands, Jackson. Ah, that makes sense. And then we transition to Hammond saying this is all top secret and we've decided to make nine special teams. And they gotta, you know, name the show, so. Yes, yes. At which point I turn turn it off completely because that's the rule, right? Once they say the title, (laughs) you you have to turn it off. So there were a couple things that I remembered um, because a month or so ago, after I finished my rewatch of Stargate, I watched this one 
the director's cut version. I did not watch that this time. I watched the regular DVD version this time. But I had, I did watch the director's cut of a month or so ago with the commentary with Brad Wright and Richard Dean Anderson on it. And a couple things that I remembered from that when I saw this, I'm like, oh yeah. Uh, in the beginning, when they ha- when they show O'Neill the body of the dead Jaffa, mm-hmm. in they had originally filmed uh, a female Jaffa there as well, and they were pointed out that they also have women soldiers, and they had cut, and apparently someone at Showtime decided to cut that, but they had included that in the director's cut. So I thought that was sort of interesting, but also weird because you almost never see female Jaffa soldiers. Oh yeah, we, I don't think we would see them until what four or five seasons in with um, Ishka. Yeah, what's the actress's name? Jerry Bullock. Was it Jolene Bullock or Jerry Ryan? Yes, it was, Jerry okay. Ryan was not on Stargate. Well, she I was, it was one of the you know the female uh, you know leads from an eventual Star Trek show. Sure. Well, Jerry Ryan so, was actually you know, starring on a Star Trek show at the time, so. Calendars are weird, man. That's why they had that sexy uh, Tok'ra for a, for a while there, because they were trying to compete with Voyager. Oh, yeah. But anyway, we'll get to that in several years. Eventually, yes. Someday. Man, speaking, I mean, you're talking about the female Jaffa and their option to you know, nicks that. I don't know if the director's commentary got into Carter's intro, but oh, oh boy. yeah. <laughs> and they had, co- they, com- they actually completely reached, uh, they, they did different takes. They even had, um, brought in Amanda tapping to dub over some of the audio to completely change that scene in the director's cut. Cause yeah, he's like, no, this scene was the worst thing ever very problematic in so many ways just so much ah, oh, just the ridiculousness of and i feel like it may have been accurate to you know military in the 90s or even today the just ridiculous you know testosterone in the room but mm-hmm. just ugh. when kowalski's like have you ever you know done however many g's in a plane it's just like ugh, seriously for me other than the reproductive organs line the the real low poet point had to have been when when you get out of there you're frozen stiff like you've been through a blizzard and her reply is well that's because of decompression of your molecules and blah 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 blah. it's like your nerd talk doesn't make you tough carter no it really doesn't also i just i really didn't like jacks i like women i don't like scientists which half of that did you like the least for me it's the first half I mean, the first half, yes, does make it, you know, a little creepy. Uh, But the second half wasn't good either. No, no, not good. Then there's the little uh, MacGyver wink. Yeah, when they 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 land on Abydos. And removed it. I kind of wish there was, like, more of a wink. Yeah. But what are you going to do? And then, of course, we get the Jackson Carter double plus extra nerd moment. Which yeah. is, I I know that there's gonna be plenty of that throughout the show down the road, but it felt a little forced, a little bit with Carter. I thought especially Carter's. I knew I'd like you having yeah. that just seemed really weird. 
And I got to say, Jackson saying goodbye to the Abaddon boys. Oh, man, that was great. Oh, I didn't like that at all. No, I thought that was good. I liked that. thought it was a little forced through. But you came through the gate, Daniel. No, that was awesome. Yep. <laughs> that's that that that's one word for it. <laughs> Getting back to nerdiness though, when she's about to step through the gate for the first time, Carter, obviously mm-hmm. the you know, only woman other than Charé in the whole episode. That's what was the sergeant that gets taken in the beginning. But anyway, Carter about to step through the gate for the first time. The amount of energy it must release to create a a stable wormhole. Didn't you just say you studied this thing for two years? Yeah. Shouldn't you already know how much energy it needs to release to create a stable wormhole? Yeah. I did like when they go back through the gate as SG-1 and 2 for the first time officially to Chulak. Major Samuel's there. Boy, I wish I was going with you. Kowalski's like, yeah, hey, I'm kind of glad you're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Give him hell, Kowalski. It's sad to me that Kowalski... Well, uh... No, never mind. Nothing future happens knowledge. to Kowalski. Well, no, we know something happens to Kowalski from the final scene of this episode. That's true. That's true. Let's wait, and we can discuss about you know that later. I gotta ask though, why is the iris so pointy? Yeah, I also just kind of feel like the iris is implausible. Where is it coming from? This, this sides, obviously, silly Billy. But. Like it looks like yeah. it comes like in from inside the gate, basically. If the inside of the gate were hollow, like a U channel, all the way through, but then it's not. See, then you don't know that. How many gates have you taken apart? Huh? Well, I guess I'm, what I'm saying is like it's not like there's a groove on the inside. We see shots of the in- interior angle of the gate. That's the that's the iris that you're seeing. Those On other planets. Things. They just didn't even know that there was an iris. <laughs> that they could press a special button on the thing that we don't know what it's called yet. And the whole iris thing has always seemed sort of problematic. In this episode, and again, I'll try not to dwell too much yeah. on future knowledge I yeah. shouldn't have. But in this episode, they clearly it's clearly like an automated system. They send their key, they send their uh, code, it automatically opens. But right. that's not how it works in later episodes. Right, and there's also these, you know, there's the timing aspect of it, because that thing doesn't open instantaneously. Yeah, but Carter, like, put a thing and then just ran into the gate. It's like, what? What if she had, like, tripped over the edge of the thing? Face planted and, like, broke her nose? But, like, what if she had happened to get in the gate? Yeah, or even worse, like, maybe it just, like, shears off your legs. Ooh, well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, gross. Also, uh, I gotta say, when uh, Ferretti was healing and fiddling with the laptop to put in the, the dialing sequence for Chulak, all I can think was, oh, man, those old computers... So quaint with their, I'm going to take 10 seconds to draw this glyph, even though we have a perfectly acceptable wireframe version to the left. And Apophis dials like an old woman. (laughs) Old person. I don't need to be that way. Old person. Just chonk. Chonk. Man. And, well, you know, did you notice that, like, 
when Walter dialed the gate to the first time they used it, so I, I guess it would have been an dose that they showed. Uh, instead of just, like, hitting all seven keys, he's hitting one, waiting for the gate to do it, then hitting the next one, waiting for the gate. It's like, seriously? <laughs> Does it not, like, let you just do all seven at once? No. <laughs> Maybe they'll fix that later. So, I'm assuming the Hulu version does not have the full frontal nudity. It does not have the full frontal nudity, and I don't think the episode loses anything. <laughs> oh, God, no. It's uh, lack of it. Other the, than the full frontal nudity, that's what it loses. In the director's cut, in the commentary, uh, uh, he says, like, straight up, Brad Wright does, that uh, the only reason they had that was because Showtime insisted, because it was a Showtime show. And he fought really hard not to include it. And they just insisted he put that in there. Because he wanted it to be a show that, like, you know, kids could watch. But would kids watch it? Not like, you know, five-year-old kids. But, like, you know, 11, 12-year-old kids. Would they watch it? With their family? Probably. I'm thinking Maybe. me at 11 or 12? That is totally the kind of show I like to watch. No, that's fair. I do have to say that overall, I think that the episode holds up. Yeah. I think the Hulu version, they did get some updated CG, at least for the what stuck out in my head is particularly problematic uh, parachute or tarp or whatever you want to call it coming off of the Stargate in the first minute or so. Yeah. It didn't look nearly as bad on the Hulu version, so either my recollection had played up its badness or they had fixed it. It didn't look bad on the DVD either. So I think maybe you're just remembering it. I thought it was weird because it really shouldn't be moving until the gate starts dialing. Yeah. Then it should have a big hole in it. Yeah. It shouldn't have been blown off at all. And it certainly shouldn't have like been rippling as if a breeze was happening. Right. And that poker game, have you ever watched a poker game on film? And, heard the same sort of dealer terms from one time to the next usually not now it's like when you're watching a show about criminals and heists and such and they have these weird code words like uncle billy oh yeah and it's always different and there's no consistency because they're just making it up as they go but everyone always knows what they mean always knows what it means all right so a couple other things i had noticed when they first get to abydos and Daniel's saying, no, they definitely didn't come from here. We watched the gate 36 hours a day. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I can allow for the fact that Abydos has different length days. What are the odds that they're exactly 12 hours longer than Earth, Earth days? Astronomical, to use exactly the right term. <laughs> nice. I see what you did there. <laughs> no, no, you're right. They, they, they could have spent an extra 15 seconds and said 33 hours. Or just said all day. Like, don't even, like, do that at all. It's not even important. If it were to ever factor in again, it's just one additional fact they need to keep track of now. Don't forget, Abydos is a 36-hour day. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think that your your point is better than why even bother. I also, in addition to the full frontal nudity, and I guess as an extension of it, that whole, like, harem scene was weird. Something that I picked up on was with the... Air Force Sergeant, where it was, ooh, this is great. You could be the vessel for my future queen. 
and then dramatic music plays and gets laid down. The woman comes out from the shadows, and then it is, Does she please you, my love? Hold on. Is it future queen or current queen? How about future vessel for my queen? Just yeah, bad, bad sentence construction. Uh, some things that we just just get lost almost immediately in the same way as the ice on the skin, which I don't even know if it made it into the next episode. We guess we'll find out next week. Uh, but there was the, you know, the, the giant Rover with all the stuff, the, that mm-hmm. is apparently named Fred. Yeah. I noticed that. That was fun. <laughs> um, and I know that doesn't appear. Cause I remember that from the from the commentary. It was like o- O'Neill saying, Oh, there's this thing. We never use that again. Or, or Richard <laughs> Dean Anderson. <laughs> because apparently like when they were shooting, like, whatever engine was in it to move it like it, it makes like this like slight mechanical whine on the show but that's dubbed in it had like this really loud like diesel engine actually on the set oh sure <laughs> i was thinking that if they were there were a couple of thoughts that struck me that struck me to the equivalent of if they were to remake this show today what would absolutely be changed and then what wouldn't need to a couple of the things that absolutely would need to be changed is Jack's gigantic tent of a leather jacket. Yes. And the little rover thing that they probably would have used, uh, you know, the Boston Dynamics big dog? Yeah. The you know, the mule robot thing? Yeah, no, they could totally do that. And they, But they had to do the exact same thing because that thing is noisy as hell. <laughs> They'd have to, they would have to dub it out and put in you know, a, a muted whine after the fact. And then the other thing is helmets. They definitely stopped wearing the helmets really quickly. Well, now I feel like we need to keep track of how often they wear helmets. And that, again, I can't take full credit for this because, again, that was something that Richard Dean Anderson said in the commentary on the director's guy. It's like, yeah, we stopped wearing those helmets. And then O'Neill got his hat. Mm. He did love that hat. I think he started wearing a watch that had, that covered the face, which is more in line with the fact that he's military and yeah. special forces. Although I'm surprised he doesn't, he doesn't wear it on the inside of his wrist. Mm, good point. I did notice that they had not yet you know, gotten the canon or backstories fully down because O'Neill says he's from Chicago. Is he not? He's from Minnesota. Mm. And one other thing I had written down is uh, the scene where they – first get to Chulak and the Jaffa think they're gods and take them to the mm-hmm. banquet, which was clearly the same set as the harem. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a guy there with just this ridiculous horn. Oh yeah, no, that horn is ridiculous. The one thing that, that I, one of the things I touched on in, in part two had to have been that barbarian guy with the big cloak and the shaggy hair and the very oh, yeah, obvious that, I know exactly the guy you mean. Yeah. Piece on his forehead from them you know, gluing the big shaggy hair to his head. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, no, I remember that guy standing out the very first time I watched that episode, like way back. Yeah. When I was rewatching it just now, it was definitely not a surprise to see that guy. I remembered him from the previous watchings. <laughs> I don't know how well I had noticed the bad, bad, hair head piece thing at the time but yeah no the, as far as how bad the hair was probably not but i definitely like remember the like the ridiculous wild looking barbarian dude yeah watching it 
on the iPad where it takes up every pixel of the display because it is shot in 4.3 back in the day. Um, Actually, it was shot in 16.9. It was it was cut to 4.3 for television because televisions were 4.3 back in the day. And that's why the DVD release is 16.9. They just went back and took the original oh, film. Okay. No, because I was wondering about that because there are certain shots that I have to wonder that they almost like feel okay in the four three, like when they're coming out of the pyramid on, on Abydos and the pyramid is pretty much two thirds of the frame. Yeah. You just see a lot more desert in 69. Yeah. And that's boring. Yeah. And well, that, you get that. I, with I, a I guess in the sense that a lot of shows, a, a lot yeah. of shows from the late nineties were shot in 169 and then were later released in 169 on DVD or streaming or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you you definitely get where all the important stuff is in the middle of the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's a it was framed. Yeah, framed. Yeah, that's it. Yes. Yeah. I know that not to get off the top of Stargate, but on the topic of you know four three to sixteen nine conversions, there was a real problem with the wire on that because it was framed four three for all five seasons, and for that one they had a real problem releasing the HD versions because they found going through the old film, there were any number of instances where they picked up booms or, mm-hmm. you know, just garbage effectively that should never make it onto TV in the 16.9 cut because we're framing for 4.3. Who cares? That's why the Star Trek The Next Generation Blu-ray releases are still 4.3. Because mm-hmm. they had the same problem, there was they 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 protected the frame, but they never cared about what might be outside the frame because it would never be on TV. Right. So if they caught like a, a piece of the edge of the set or something, no big deal. That's so outside the edge of the you know the frame that we're actually going to be showing that why even you know why care? Right. So while I respect the idea of for the audience's benefit that the Jaffa speak English, especially Teal'c. When he captures Skara and says, this is not your weapon, it's not whatever in Jaffa ease with a caption at the bottom, he just says, this is not your weapon. But we get to part two where they're in the... And then they don't speak English. Well, what I noticed was the weird mixture of English and Jaffa where it was something... Yeah. The priests they encounter definitely don't. In fact, they speak that weird mixture of Arabic and something else, as Jackson pointed out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then, like, even when they come to the feast room and they're talking and they're speaking, then Teal'c and his warriors come in and they start speaking English. Yeah. And they never really... Because for the most part, they just use English Mm -hmm. in the future. Like everyone, there'll be like various words of gold, like Cree, but which we do eventually learn what it means. It's basically like hey, something like that. Could go here. I yeah, remember. I know you've said, and I think this works that it's sort of like the Jaffa Schnell, because you know whenever Indeed. you watch a movie with Nazis, they're always like Schnell, Octoon. Yes, so I guess we might as well talk about what happens to Kowalski. He's, He's got a thing in his that, head. Yeah, he gets affected by that leaping Gould thing, you know. Which was also cut from the director's edition. Really? 
Yes, because the director's edition is supposed to be like a, a self-contained movie. And they don't want to end on... They don't want to end on a cliffhanger setting up the next episode. Seemed a little bit much, like too much of a conceit, honestly, yeah. for, in my opinion. But, you know, whatever. Uh, I do appreciate that Teal's defection didn't come completely out of left field. No, that... they show his fa- They show him being like, you know, and they actually, again, they talked about that in the director's edition. They add more scenes of Teal'c looking like he, you know, is super uncomfortable with what's happening. Struggling with his yeah. place in the society. Yeah. They also completely, du- re- they had Christopher Judge redub all his lines for the director's cut because really his voice got a lot deeper throughout the show. Mm. There was something else that had stuck out. A little bit of the hokiness of the many men have said that before, but you're the first that I have believed. Yeah. Uh, a little a, a little forced. A little but, forced, yeah. But yeah. not terrible. It's sort of a campy show. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. I I do feel somewhat that Teal joining SG-1 did seem a little easier than it. He should have gone through extreme vetting. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Extreme vetting. I mean, actually, almost, yeah, he's... A literal alien carrying another alien who is your enemy. Yeah. Literally providing perpetual harbor to your enemy. <laughs> well, not perpetual, but that's future knowledge. Well, no, eventually Teal dies. Yes, obviously. <laughs> so long as he carries, as he stated, so long as he carries the larval gold, he is given perfect health and long life. As long as he carries. Right, yeah. We don't have future knowledge, so he must die. Yeah. He must die. Everybody dies. He doesn't. He definitely doesn't get, you know, a streak of white in his hair. Man, I wish that would all, that's all that showed up when I, when I age 50 years. Mm. Anyway, that's, we'll, we'll talk about that, you know, years from now when we get to that episode. When, yeah, when we both have our own streaks of white. <laughs> yes, quite. <laughs> I'll just be happy to have hair at that point. <laughs> all in all, though, I think it's a solid kickoff to a new sci-fi show. Especially, you know, And they had no idea, obviously, at the time they were going to run for 10 seasons on SG-1, another five for Atlantis, two movies, and then two more seasons of Universe. And two seasons of an animated show that we will not talk about. We are not going to talk about it other than to talk about how we're not going to talk about it they never made that animated show it's a shame that they didn't because it could have been cool they made it good they never made it at all so what are you gonna do (laughs) yeah no it definitely does set it off and it's sort of it's sort of interesting how well the, the first episode works especially because that is not a guarantee in the first season of sg1 which part uh, that the episode is going to be good. Mm. Yeah, no, you're probably right. As will, as will encounter as we will later discuss episodes. Over some time. Uh, SG1 had some growing pains. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. Every, every show gets them. Yeah. Well, right now I can't think of a whole lot else to discuss about this episode. 
No, not really. I think we mostly covered everything. And I really hope that the people listening to this have, in fact, seen the episode, since we didn't really do an in-depth synopsis of the episode. No, and we can work on that regarding adding our own color or modifications of synopsis. We'll be better prepared next time and every time hereafter. Yeah, this is the first episode, so, uh, you know... If you thought we had potential, keep listening, because it'll probably get at least a little better. Oh, God, it has to, right? It doesn't have to. It could get worse. <laughs> it could be like Stargate. You know, it could be like SG-1's own first season. <laughs> a little rough with some hidden gems. But mm. hopefully not. Hopefully we will grow fast. Uh, I will. You know, our, our, the next episode we will discuss is episode two, The Enemy Within. For anyone who has gotten this far but hasn't watched both parts yet of episode one, sorry for the spoilers, kind of the whole show. But if you're watching it on Hulu, be be aware that it goes from episode one, part one, straight to episode two. You need to step back and then actively launch part two, especially if you're not watching on Apple TV. The iPad did a little bit better job. But if you're watching on Apple TV especially, yeah, it goes from episode one, part one to episode two. Oops, the daisies. And, you know, that it's bad enough that they call it episode two. Because, honestly, if you're doing standard TV production, it should be... It's episode three. Yeah. Yeah. But, hey, the DVD lists Children of the Gods as pilot and mm-hmm. Enemy Within as episode one. So, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Also, for those who are not aware, The Enemy Within is also the name of a classic Star Trek episode. Including your co-host. Since I've never won a toss. It's the one where Kirk gets doubled and his evil twin and good twin have to fight each other. Neat. I've never watched Toss. I know so little about it. Okay. Well, you know, it doesn't... Honestly, original Star Trek has not held up nearly as well as it could have mm. unlike stargate so far well you know if stargate was made in the 60s we might be having a different discussion entirely boy if Stargate was made in the 60s carter would certainly not be a main member of the sg team and if she was she'd pretty much just be there to be rescued and she sure as hell would not be wearing pants she would absolutely not be wearing pants <laughs> Yeah, and at some point we should maybe think of how we like officially cap off the episode other than, well, I guess I'm done. Yeah. Uh, are we still like doing the episode or now we just talking about what we just did? Now we're just talking. Cool. Because I think we do, um, based on other shows that I've listened to, I think we do need to do uh, sort of like run through the episode. I mean, we can, that can be recorded in, you know, there's plenty of long, there's plenty of gaps and we can just, we can effectively dub it in. I mean, we don't have to go back and do it for this one, but I think going forward, we, we really should like actually well, run, we did touch, run through We did it. touch on it a little bit. You know, we said, you know, it was a good episode or do you, are you talking about, you know, and so, you know, like, tell me what you're talking about. I'm talking about like giving a, 
like sort of like going through and then this happens and then this happened and you know and what do you think of that maybe or something like something to that effect we sort of like do a narrative of the episode where we actually like say what happens in the episode whereas in this one we just sort of jumped around and said what we thought about each individual about individual things okay yeah let's try and do a better job of that next time going uh, to try and do it now yeah no i mean re-recording the whole jazz um i thought you were talking about like an after the fact sort of like quick recap summary oh no i mean outro synopsis thing but no Um, but no i think think that we we should do a better job especially because there are going to be people listening to this who even if they have seen stargate may not have seen it recently or as often as we have. Right. Oh, I'm so glad that Noisy Truck waited until now to turn on. Actually, wow, that was like the fastest they've ever started up and left. Um, I have all my windows closed. What I really need to find is like a medium-length synopsis. Because there's like IMDb and the TV DB, which have really short. And then there's a Stargate right, like Wiki. Right, they're both like a sensor too long. There's yeah, a Stargate Wiki that's like, like 10 pages paragraphs. long. Right. <laughs> I need something uh, you in know, the I, I, I think that I think that we just need to take a look at the IMDB and or TV Guide synopses and uh, just ahead of time, not on the fly, add color where necessary or just have our own synopsis. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that, yeah, that, that's all we need to do. That's, that's not hard. Um, do you, I think it would make more sense for either, for us to either take explicit turns or for one of us to always be the synopsis person. That makes sense. I mean, I can do it for next episode, regardless of what we end up doing. Okay, great. Yeah, no, we definitely did jump around a fair amount, but we should probably try and stick to uh, more of a. I think it's okay for the first episode because I think even I know for me the first episode is one I remember a lot more than others. Yes. Although, really, I mean, I was only a third of the way into part two. I had a whole lot fewer notes, I think, about part two. Oh, totally. Same here. Part one, I had a lot of sort of just neutral points, such as the helmets are ridiculous or, boy, you know, boy, O'Neill, get a jacket that fits. <laughs> um, you know, all the negative points were focused around uh, Carter's introduction and Jackson's farewell. And the positive points, such as, you know, like Walter, everybody loves Walter. Um, the, you know, Hammond having the correct, oh, okay, that was a joke then, huh? Sort yeah, that was good. But yeah. there were some good Jack lines in this. Uh, like, when Jack and Daniel were in his house, and he was talking about how Shaw Ray would laugh at him when he tried to make flour. It's like, have you ever made your own flower? And Jack's like, I'm trying to get away from the flower. I'm trying to get away from the flower thing or whatever it was he said. But anyway, Wait. it was, you know, the standard deadpan Jack line. That wasn't, that's not in the Hulu version. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I mean, like I said, I didn't get a chance to like rewatch all the way through, but I was 
watching. It would have been the begin, towards the beginning of episode two. Wait, episode two or part two? Part two. Of, yeah, part two of Children of the Gods. It would have been after, you know, because if part two ends when they get back, it's like, so they're, yeah. So Hammond says, you know, we'll debrief at 07.30 tomorrow. And then, right. like, everybody runs around going where they're supposed to be. And Daniel's just sort of like, uh, I have nowhere to go. And Jack's like, hey, come with me. And they go back to Jack's house and they have beers. Yeah. This, I actually sort of vaguely familiar, like, like vaguely remember. I wonder if it com- if it'll come up on Hulu in a later episode. That makes no sense. because It, it makes was, a little bit of sense. It clearly, because they're talking, I mean... It, Chronologically, it clearly is right where it is. Okay. But, I mean, you know, Jackson's been on this alien planet for a year plus. It makes sense that he has no place to go. And you have, in fact, seen the DVD versions at some point anyway. Because, I mean, that's what the rips we had back in the day were. Yeah, so maybe that's what I'm remembering. But that what you're describing definitely sounds familiar that's but. weird. I had no idea, like, other than the nudity, I didn't realize it was different. Well, well, it would have been cut for time. Yeah, but you I know, it's not. It's not like a super critical conversation. I'm wondering. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm wondering? I wonder if Hulu has... I'm betting sci-fi would have cut time out of each episode when they got the syndication rights. Because sci-fi has commercials. Right, but do you think... Oh, so you're thinking that they have the sci-fi edits, but they still have the MGM bug? Well, yeah, because it's still MGM that makes it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so it might be the sci-fi edit. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. And I threw (laughs) R&D in there. Oh, nice. Yeah. Did one of us swear? I think... I said hell I once. Said, I think I said hell once. <laughs> Maybe damn. But, yeah, no, none of it was like swore. <laughs> I didn't call Sam as a shitty little snot. I called him a snippy little snot. <laughs> I don't get that reference. There is no reference. But Samuels, Major Samuels being all like, oh, you know, are you sure you did the new? It sounded like you were, like, referencing something. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that it's like rather. Uh, yeah. yeah. What I was saying was. Yeah. You know, and Samuel's bit comes my back in a later episode and is just as ridiculous. Yeah. All right. Well, you know. Not terrible. No. I was afraid we'd run out of things to talk about, but we did pretty well. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, well, uh, I'll go through the edit, but that's 40 minutes, yeah. probably. Yeah, 35, you 40 need minutes me of solid to stuff. That's send not bad. you my file? Uh, I'm going to see what I get. I'm pretty sure that Call Recorder is doing two streams. Right. Um, in and out. Um, I was trying to use QuickTime. I think part of what was contributing to my problem beforehand which is why i didn't bother doing it once we finally got everything working was i was trying to do a separate quick time recording of my side of the audio 
Eh. Um, but like I said, you know. Well, I'm going to stop the call recorder because there's no point in continuing. Right